Hey, y'all, it's Bo Haig. Thank you so much for listening to this message today. If you have questions, please contact us at 580-216-6427. And we hope that God uses this message to change your life. Today I want to do a, uh, a continue our look at the series, The Castrated Church. The Castrated Church. Now, again, some of you guys are like, holy smoke, what's he going to talk about today? Well... Again, this series, we started it last week, and here's the whole point of the series. The castrated church, the whole idea is why men don't go to church, right? Why men don't go to church? Well, every spring, we do what we call work calves, right? I mean, we drag calves, some people run them through a chute, which isn't as manly. Just kidding. Um, some, of you, some of you guys aren't horse people, but we, we love to drag calves. And one of the greatest uh, and most important jobs of working calves is castrating them. And you say, well, I, you know, how do you, how do you actually do that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little lesson today. I, um, well, there are different ways to castrate calves. And again, I'm not an expert on any of this, but obviously you got to have a knife, right? This is an old timer knife. Um, it was a USA made. My buddy gave this to me, uh, I think for a wedding present or something, but it's actually the USA made. Can I get a witness? USA made? It was before the home jobbers. And so anyways, one of the most important tools that you can have when you're castrating calves is a, is a knife. Now, again, I, I've been around friends that uh, castrate calves. They do it all different. Some guys, they actually uh, grab the sack, they poke it like that, and then they slit the sack, and then they take the testes out, right? That's how they castrate theirs. Some guys, a lot of guys, will just cut the bottom of the sack off, and that's a kind of a benefit because then you can count how many bull calves that you had in your herd, right? So you can keep sacks you know, the, that part of the sack, and then you can keep it. And that's how many know. Well, they use a, what, are the, what, what kind of knife is this called? An old timer, but what type of knife? What is it called? A stockman's knife. Yeah, a stockman's knife. Now, I've got a trapper knife, and you say, what's the difference? Well, this one has two blades. The stockman's knife is, actually has three blades. This one has two blades on it. And then you have, what's this called? What, type, what kind of knife? A fixed blade, right? I'm educating you guys on knives today. Uh, it's a fixed blade knife. And again, a lot of people use them differently, but uh, typically they use a knife. Um, some people use uh, sutures. You know what a suture is? It's, uh, they cut the you know, sack, they pull it out, and then they crimp the little strings that are coming out. They crimp them to keep the blood from actually, you know, for them bleeding to death. And so they suture it uh, some. There's also uh, my buddy Edward Estrada. He's a great cowboy. He uh, turned me on to one of these. It's a diamond stone that you can, you know, keep your knife sharp as you're you're cutting calves, you can keep it sharp, and it's really, it fits in your pocket. That's a more maker. Uh, it's a great, uh, great tool. But here's the thing. Some of the churches that I've been to, again, you walk into their church, and it's like the men are gone, right? And here's the, again, the point is this. You know, some of you, some of you guys are, you know, asking me, well, what are the advantages? And I, let me back up here. Some of you guys are asking, well, what are the advantages to castrating calves? Well, again, I shared two or three of them. First of all, the testosterone level of a calf uh, that's, that's got his, you know, testes is higher, right? So when you go to cut him, the testosterone level comes down. He's less aggressive. He doesn't tear as much stuff up and he doesn't hurt you as much, Right. Um, and the other part is the, you know, the, the quality of the meat goes up in a steer versus a bull. I mean, it grades better, the marble, and marble's better. I mean, it just tastes better. And, and again, and the, and the last thing was that, that, that we learned was, again, bulls uh, tend not to bring as much at the sale. Steers bring more, right? And those are the advantages. Well, you say, well, what's the disadvantage to cutting calves? 
The only disadvantage uh, to cutting a calf, I don't say the only, but one of the major disadvantages is that he cannot reproduce. He can't reproduce. The only thing that he's going to do is he is going to live and die with no ability to reproduce or grow anything but himself, right? And you say, okay, Bo, how does that relate to men and how does that relate to men in the church? Well, let me just say this before I roll into that. I thank God... For our church, because we have made men and reaching men a priority. Can I get an amen from the wives in the house? Um, I've, yeah, if I've heard it once, I've heard it tens of times, maybe hundreds of times. uh, People, especially women coming to me and saying, thank you for making and building a church that my husband likes to come to. I mean, it's true. I mean, because used to, and in a lot of churches, it's the same way. The wife has to drag the man to church. The man feels uncomfortable. He doesn't want to go, blah, blah, blah. Well, at our church, typically it's the opposite. And, and here's what I've heard before. The husband will say, I'll go to church if we can go to cowboy church. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. I mean, I, I hear it. And, and again, it's one of the greatest things. What did I say? You're here. I'm here. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, but here's the thing. I love and our church loves and cherishes women. Again, you, if some people look at me and they go, you're just a sexist pig. <laughs> you hate women. And I'm like, absolutely not. And as I said yesterday, or not yesterday, but last Sunday, my wife is the greatest gift that God has ever given me. The greatest gift. And again, I'm not called to dominate her. I'm not called to, um, you know, again, tell her what to do and to, you know, walk on her like uh, over her like a doormat. That is not what masculinity is. That's called foolishness. Amen. And so listen, we love and cherish women, but we will never apologize for making reaching men a priority. And you say, well, why? Well, here's the truth. For years, the, the men in the church have been castrated from the church. In, in studies, they show us that 35% of men in the United States say they go to church. 35%. That's it. 35%. And so again, just like that steer that, you know, once you cut him or that bull, once you cut him, that he cannot reproduce. I believe that one of the major reasons why many churches are dying out is because the men have been castrated from the church. I look around and I see all these churches and they're dying out because they don't have the men in the church. And again, are women capable? Are women equal? Again, get off that high horse of trying to fight a fight with me or anybody else about women being equal or not equal. They're equal in every form and fashion. You hear me? <laughs> Don't send me an email. You hate women. I'm a woman. and I. So again, women are equal, but here's the truth. Men and women have different roles. God has called men to lead. God has called men to love. God has called men to serve. And that's what we desire to see happen in our church. So again, you know, uh, and, and here's another fact. All, not all the time, but in many cases, most of the men that attend church grew up in church. But here's the sad truth. Most of the men, and not all of them, again, a lot of you men who grew up in church and you love Jesus, but a lot of the men that grew up in church, sadly, many of them, they don't come to church to be transformed. They don't come to church to be changed every Sunday. They come because it's the thing to do. 
And I hate that. You know, the other reason they come is they come by, uh, you know, they, they come by protest. I mean, again, the wife has to drag them. The girlfriend has to drag them. The, you know, the, the kids have to drag their dad to church. And can I just give you a little advice? If you're in dating, a dating relationship, girlfriends, girls, listen to this. If you're in a dating relationship with a man that you have to drag to church, my, my advice to you is to break up. Get out now. I'm just telling you, I I know a lot of women who marry men who don't love God and their marriage, although they're married, they live single lives. And here's the other side of it. It's torture on the kids. Kids come along, they want to, you know, they want to do what daddy wants to do. If daddy stays home, then they want to stay home. If daddy doesn't go to church, if daddy goes to church again, all that stuff makes it miserable a lot of times to be married to someone that, again, the Bible calls unequally yoked. And so, again, that's my advice for you. Well, you say, well, where are the men? Where are they? Well, praise God, we've got them. Amen? I mean, I I asked somebody about this yesterday, and they looked around. When I started my series last week, they looked around, and they saw all the men in the church, and they were like, man. Our church is full of men, and, and, I, and I just love it, and I thank God for that. And, but people are asking, where are they? Where are the manly men, and why don't they like coming to church? Well, here's the truth. A lot of them don't feel like they can keep their manhood and love Jesus. I don't, and some of you guys look at me, and you think, that's stupid. I mean, I've kept my manhood. I've been in church all my life. No, listen, it, it may not be, that, again, that you as a church-going person who grew up and it feels this, but a lot of people outside the church, they feel it. The people that I talk to at the bar, the people that I talk to at the Brandon Pen, the people that I talk to that are outside the church, they think the church is weak. They look at the church, and they think it's a bunch of wusses that go to church because they've got to rely on this God, and they can't do it themselves. You get it? I mean, do you see that? So again, you say it's not true, but I would beg to differ. And so the point of this series is to show men that they can love Jesus and still be a man. Still be a man. And so how do we know this? How do I know that I can be a man and love Jesus? Well, page after page, I read the Bible. Page after page, I see examples of people, of men that love God but that weren't soft and weren't wusses. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they spilled blood for the gospel. I mean, they spilled their own blood for the gospel. They stood up for what was right. They were brave. They stood firm in their faith. They weren't pansies. They didn't cower down to the, you know, the Pharisees or the religious people. They did it because they loved Jesus and they were still a man. And so you say, how do I know that it can happen? I see it. And I read it. And I see it in a lot of the men in our own church. And so again, you may be thinking, well, I'm just a quiet man. I'm not so rough and tumble. And so all this masculine talk is, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. Well, listen, it's not much so much about all the rough and tumble outside. Because here's the truth. My dad is a gentle man. My, my son, Hank, is a gentle boy. Um, now again, do they, do they get, does my son like to fight his sister? Absolutely. Would he scratch her eyes out if he could get a chance every now and then? Absolutely. But here's the thing, just because you're not rough and tumble, doesn't mean that you can't be, you know, brave. I mean, the most, the most, uh, brave person in my life is my dad. The, the strongest man in my life is my dad. And he doesn't say maybe five words 
all day because my mom talks all the time. So again, and, and here's the other side of it. Can I just clear this up too? Because a lot of men, and they come in here and they wear suits every week and they go to you know, a job that they stay in an office all week and, and they think, well, if I don't go, if I don't go to you know, work cabs or do this cowboy thing, then I'm you know, not a real man. No, listen, there are just as many men that sit in a corporate office that work their butts off and are as just as manly as a man as a man who goes and works cabs or, or you know, rides horses. Can we clear that up too? I mean, again, oh, it's all about being rough. If you ain't got dirt under your fingernails, then you ain't a real man. That's crap. I mean, seriously, there are a lot of great men that stay in offices and have worked their butts off for that corner office, and they've shown what a man is supposed to be, and they still love Jesus. Although I love having dirt underneath my fingernails. (laughs) But that's who we are. That's who God has called us to be. So, well, last week we looked at some reasons why men have castrated themselves from the church. Number one was this. The reputation, whether it's unfair or not, of the church is that the church has been wussified. Remember that word I made up? The church has been wussified. Most churches aren't known for being masculine. I mean, you walk into a lot of churches. And again, this, is, this, this reaches certain people. So I'm not dogging it. But here's the thing. They walk in, a lot of men walk into churches and they kind of tippy-toe around. They're like, crap, I mean, this is white carpet. What the heck? I'm going to get something on this carpet. Smell that potpourri. You know, I mean, they, they look around, they look around and see all the fancy flowers and the little red ferns and all that stuff. And they just walk in and they just feel uncomfortable. I mean, I talk to men all the time and I go like, why don't you go to church? I just feel uncomfortable there. Well, you ought to try our church because maybe it's a little bit different. We got potpourri, as I always say. <laughs> <clears throat> but again, a lot of churches are like ladies clubs. I mean, let's just be honest. The ladies are in charge. The ladies do this. Ladies do that. Again, while ladies have every bit of ability to do it, God has called some men to lead the church, right? And we want women to be involved, all that stuff. So again, but, but here's the truth. The, the church culture has been wussified. And here's a fact about that. Can I just say this as well? This is number two. This sissified reputation only affects those who are completely sold out to God. Remember what I talked about? I mean, those men that aren't completely sold out, that just come to church because it's the thing to do, they keep their manhood intact because they don't actually really truly love Jesus. They're just a hypocrite, right? I mean, so again, if you're wanting to be sold out and you're a man... It's tough because, again, a lot of times you feel like that's going to take away your manhood. The third thing is this, and this is a fact. It's okay for men to go to church as long as they don't enjoy it. I've heard men say, you know, again, I ask them, you know, or or somebody asks them, you know, what would you do on Sunday? Well, I went to church. The The old lady drug me to church. Again, because if they say, man, I went to church and I really enjoyed it and God really spoke to me. It's embarrassing. The reputation is, again, it depletes their masculinity. And again, these are things that men deal with. And you say, well, what's the solution to eliminating these reasons? Well, number one is this. And again, I, I'm gonna, I, I wish I could expand on this, but I'm not going to today. Number one is this. The church has to promote godly masculinity. The church does. The preacher has to preach it. The preacher has to teach it. And, 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 and people have to encourage it. The second thing is this. Men have to actually live it out daily. They got to love God and they got to still be a man. They got to act like men. And the third thing is, if we're, if we're going to deplete this reputation, women have to encourage it. 
There's a lot of men that they've lost their masculinity. They become these little wusses because they feel like they got to be all sweet and nice and have little soft hands. And their wives say, that's what you need to be. You need to calm down. You need to not be so risky. You need to not take so many chances. You need to not, you know, go ride your horse wide open. Soften down. But the truth is, if men are going to be a godly masculine man, then the women have to encourage it. I don't, I mean, again, you say, well, where do we find out what this looks like? Well, we look at Jesus and we look at his word. The key scripture for this whole series is 1 Corinthians 16. If you'll look at it on the screen with me, 1 Corinthians 16, and it says this in verses 13 and 14, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong and let all you do be done in love. It's a great, great verse. And here's the question that I want to answer today. How do we define godly masculinity? How do we define it? Well, here's the thing. I believe that this verse defines it for us. Number one is this. I'm only going to do two points. Number one, here's how we define godly masculinity. Number one is this. Godly masculine men are alert Godly, masculine men are alert. Now, I'll give you an example. My uh, in-laws, they, ro- they raised a bunch of horses. My, uh, my wife's grandpa raised a bunch of horses. Many of you may know him or knew him. Uh, Donald Gordon is his name. Anyways, he raised a bunch of horses. And my mother-in-law tells me this story about they had this two-eyed jack stud, right? And this stud had his brood mares, right? And he had all these mares in this one pasture. And they would always tell me, Bo, don't ride your horse out there with the stud. He will eat your lunch, if you try to get near his mares, right? She told me a story one time about how they were sorting off some of the mares and that stud actually began to get down on his front end and pin his ears back and squeal like a pig, keeping the people away from his mares. You know what that shows me? Again, he was alert to the danger that could have endangered his mares. And guess what, men? Godly, masculine men are to be alert. We're to be alert. And you say, well, what's all that mean? I mean, you know, why, 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 what are you talking about? Well, men, listen, we are called to guard ourselves and to guard our families from the harmful things that can happen physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you say, well, why? Because there is an enemy that is out there that wants to destroy you as a man and wants to destroy your kids, wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy everything. And his name is the devil. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You say, okay, Bo, I know that there's an enemy out there. So what am I to be alert to? Well, let me give you some examples of what you should be alert to, men. Listen to this. This is important. Because a lot of men fail every day because they're not alert to it. You ready for this? You need to be concerned. You need to be alert to your reputation. Your reputation is who you are. Um, and, and, and I see this probably in my occupation more than any because, again, preachers, the devil loves for preachers to fail. I mean, do you see that? I mean, I look around and I see all these preachers fail and they take tons of people with them because people, again, have looked to them for guidance. Well, you're to guard and be alert about your reputation. Listen to this. If you're married, you are called to protect your marriage. You're called to protect it. And you say, well, how do I protect it? Well, you need to be alert, listen to this, 
to the women at work or the women at the gym that want to have long emotional conversations with you. Anybody been there? It's okay, men. Maybe it's just me. I'm the preacher, so a lot of women want to have long emotional conversations with me. I don't know. But, but you say, well, what's wrong with that? You're the preacher. Well, listen, I, I have seen so many men get into these long conversations with emotional women and they fail in their marriage. They begin to get emotionally tied to the women that want uh, you know, to console in them. And again, you say, well, that's stupid. No, it's not. It happens every day. And here's the truth. Here's some rules that I made for myself. And maybe some of you men need to make these rules as well. I will not ride in a car with another woman alone. That's not my wife. Now you say, you won't ride with your grandma? I'll ride with my grandma. But if it's a woman, and again, and it, it, there is any indication that we could get together or that we would be together, I do not ride with them alone in my car. Here's the other thing. I don't eat lunch with any woman other than my wife alone. You say, well, you're in public. Nobody's going to, I mean, nobody's going to think anything. No, they'll think more if you do it in public because everybody will talk. Why was he talking to that woman? Why, did he, why was he having lunch with that woman? Again, I don't do that. Maybe some of you men need to realize that. When you take that woman out to dinner and you're just friends, you're longtime buddies, that can turn into destruction. I saw it this week. I talked to a man who's losing his wife because she was emotionally tied to another man. You say, it won't happen. You'll be the first that it happens to if you're saying that. It's just the truth. It's just the way the devil works. And, and here's another rule that I, don't ha- or that I have. I don't have constant contact with another woman on Facebook. Again, Facebook can be of the devil. And the devil loves to use it to destroy marriages. So you've got to be alert to that. Single men, listen to this. You need to be alert to who you're dating. Again, don't buy into the lie that you can change her once you get married. No, listen, if she doesn't respect you before you're married, she's probably not going to respect you after you're married. If she doesn't love Jesus before you're married, may not love Jesus after you're married. And again, so you need to be aware of that. And you need to be alert that what can lead to sexual sin. I mean, don't wait till you get in the back seat of your car to go, hey, I don't want to have sex. Make some rules. My wife and I, we were dating. I was 28 years old. She was uh, six years younger than that. So she was 22. We had rules. We didn't kiss laying down. We didn't kiss in my house. I had my own house. Could we have had sex just like that? Absolutely. But we made rules. You know why? Because I wanted to be pure for her. She wanted to be pure for me. But the devil loves to take single people down and allow them to sin sexually because they're not alert. Again, don't get yourself into those hot and heavy situations. Don't set yourself up for failure. Listen, men, to, because you watch these movies that have all this sex and stuff in them. Or you get on the internet and you look at porn. You're setting yourself up to be a failure. You got to be alert to that. Again, you say, well, uh, oh, these are just silly rules. No, they're not. They destroy people every day. They destroy them. So you got to be alert to that. Man, you've also got to be alert to your integrity. Your integrity is, is who you are. The way that you make decisions, you need to pray about the decisions that you make. You need to live honorably. You need to be honest no matter the cost. 
Because that's what godly masculine men do. They're alert to that. You need to protect your family. I mean, again, whatever could harm your family, you need to say, we're going to get that out of our lives. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Again, you say, well, what am I supposed to protect my, my family from? Here's, the, here's what I would say. And, and again, I, I, I have kids that are young. Maybe you don't have kids anymore. Maybe you need to think about your grandkids. Listen to this. I protect my kids from certain friends. I mean, certain friends that have sorry attitudes and that are just little disrespectful little jerks. I protect my kids. Now, I don't, I don't try to shelter them. I want them to know that that's wrong. And so when they hear it, I want them to look at me and go, that's wrong, isn't it, Dad? So I don't shelter them, but I teach them that we are not going to act like that. So I protect them from certain friends that are going to be bad influences on them. They need to know, you know, your, your kids, you need to be alert to what they watch on TV. You need to be alert to what they're doing on the iPad or on the internet. You need to be alert to that. I see a lot of stupid parents say, well, that's just kids stuff. I did it and they'll do it too. That's stupidity. You did it. You may have gotten by without all the scars, but your kids may suffer because of your stupid stupidity. You say, well, okay, but I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, don't do it and just see what happens. I mean, again, you know, some people, they don't care about all that. You know, you need to be alert to what they're texting. If your kids are teenagers and they're texting, there is, in our house, at least there are no boundaries. I'm going to look at my kid's phone, whether they like it or not. Amen. Uh, I mean, some kids, some parents are like, oh, I just, I just, they just need their privacy. Absolutely not. In my house, I don't negotiate with five-year-olds. They do what I say. I'm the parent. Now, can I be their friend? And, and if I have a bunch of rules and that's all I have, are they going to rebel? Probably so. That's why you got to have a relationship with them too. So you got to protect your kids. God has called godly men to protect their families. Here's the other thing that you need to be alert to. Men, listen, you need to be alert to your wife. Be alert to your wife's needs. Is she fulfilled emotionally? You say, well, I buy her, you know, lunch. I mean, I bring home the bacon. I mean, geez, what else could she ask for? I told her I loved her the day I married her. Oh, really? Is she fulfilled emotionally? Because here's the thing. When you don't fulfill her emotionally, guess what the devil does? He throws out some bait called another man that will fulfill her emotionally, and he will pull her away from you. You need to be alert to that. Is she drained from the kids? You need to give her a break. Is she struggling with a decision? You need to pray for her. Is she growing spiritually? Is she reading the Bible? You need to encourage that, men. Be alert to her needs. And here's the, other, the last thing on this, number one. You need to be alert to your spiritual life. Again, some of you men have never read your Bible. And again, I'm not dogging you, but here's what I'm telling you. You need to read your Bible. Because here's the truth. When the devil sees me not reading my Bible, he knows that I'm weak, and then he begins to attack. He sees where I'm weak. He goes, oh, that guy hadn't been in his Bible five days. And he's not, you know, again, close to the Lord. So I'm going to attack. And he attacks. And I'm not ready. 
Because my spiritual life isn't where it's at. So I need to be alert to that. The devil knows when I'm weak and he loves to attack when I'm away from the Lord. And you may say, okay, Bo, I don't have any of those things. I don't do any of that crap that you just said I'm supposed to do. And my family's fine. Here's the thing that I want you to know. Your family may be fine now, but they won't be fine for long. You say, I don't read my Bible. I don't protect my marriage. I don't do any of that junk. And my family's doing fine. Listen, I'll see you in my office when your family turns to pot. I see it all the time. And here's the sad part. People, they wait till it turns to pot to come for help. They go, I, I go, did you, were you reading your Bible? Did you protect your wife? Did you protect your kids? No, I'm not really. Okay. Are we here to help when, the, when, when it turns to pot? Absolutely. You come. But I would rather you not have your life turned to pot and live a life that honors God. I mean, seriously. So be alert. Number two is this, and I'm done. Godly masculine men stand firm in their faith. They're not only alert, they stand firm in their faith. Look at verse 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. And so listen, if we're going to have the strength and the wisdom to fight the devil and his ways, we have to be firm in our faith. And you say, what does that look like? Well, here's what it looks like. It starts and ends by being surrendered to Christ. It starts and ends by being surrendered to Christ. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a manly man. Some of you guys would argue that. I don't say anything. But I'm a manly man, and here's the truth about me. I don't want to surrender at all. When my brother used to get me in like a headlock and, and give me the noogie, you know, on top of my head, and he would say, say uncle, and I'd be like, I ain't saying crap. You can give me the noogie all you want. I mean, it's the truth. If I was, how many of you guys went to the cage fights last night? Anybody go to the cage fights? You're not ungodly if you did. I love the USC. <laughs> We grew up wrestling, so the next thing was just punching. So that's all good. I, I love it. But here's the thing. If I was an MMA fighter, I, the, I would rather be knocked out cold than to submit. <laughs> right, Justin? Justin. Justin, he does some grappling and stuff. Listen, I would, you can knock me out cold, but I ain't tapping out. Unless you cut my air off. Then I'll tap out. But that... But that's a, I mean, again, for me, surrendering is not an option. And so, man, you're like, I don't want to surrender to God. I mean, again, that's stupid. I got to do this on my own. No, listen, God and Jesus Christ are the strongest men. They're the strong, they're, they're the, you know, they're expert fighters. They're the most skilled and they can fight for you. So you're an idiot if you don't surrender to him. And so again, you say, I don't want to surrender. What, how, do, how do you surrender to God? How do you surrender? Answer that for me, Bo. Listen, here's the first thing. You got you to know Jesus. You got to be saved. Look at uh, Matthew 16. It says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow who? Me. Jesus is talking. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 
And you say, well, how do I, you know, grow in that, this masculinity? How, how do I, you know, give God? How do I surrender? You have to give your life to Jesus Christ to be surrendered and you got to give it up. You got to say, I'm going to give up my selfish ways and I'm going to live for him. The second part of surrendering is this. Surrendering means that you are obedient to him. You're obedient to him. Luke eleven twenty eight. it says this. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Obey it. Whatever Christ says goes. We choose to listen to him above all others. We choose to follow his word above the culture. We rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us. We rely on Jesus's teaching to equip us how to live a right life. Here's the truth, men. If you will obey God, you win. If you don't obey God, you're going to lose. You say, why is my family falling apart? Are you obeying God? Do, 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 do families fall apart even when people are obeying God? Absolutely. It still happens. But why not fight for it? Why not do something right and be obedient and surrender your life to Christ? And here's the last point. You say, how do I surrender? Well, surrendered means we fight. Ephesians 6.13 says this, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Listen, we are to stand firm in our faith. And while we surrender to God, we fight the devil. Listen, just because you surrender to God doesn't mean that you have to put your fight away. No, listen, we are to, to fight the devil. Was Jesus always nice? No. Did he fight the good fight? Did he fight against evil? Absolutely. And we are to do the same thing. And here's the truth. You say, but who are we to fight against? Again, Jesus himself he fought against the Pharisees. And you say, what, are, what is a Pharisee? Well, the Pharisees were the religious people. I mean, again, you say, who are we to fight against? So I'm not talking about necessarily the people that don't live for Jesus. I'm talking about the people that are even more religious that want to take everybody out with them. Does that make sense? And so again, you say, who are we supposed to fight? Again, Jesus wasn't afraid to offend the religious people, and we shouldn't be able be afraid to offend them as well. Godly masculine men stand firm in their faith, surrendered to God while fighting the devil. That's what godly masculinity is. And so here's my question for you men. Are you alert? Are you alert? I mean, are, 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 do you have your eyes closed? Are you watching what's going on in your life? Are you watching what's going on in your family's life? Are you watching the things? Are you being passive? Are you alert? Are you standing? The second question is, are you standing firm in your faith? Do you lead your kids and your wife to love the Lord? Or are you leading them away from that? Listen, we are called to be godly masculine men by being alert and standing firm in our faith. Here's the truth. Next week, we're going to even go further into that scripture and we're going to look at how men are to act like men. And it's going to be a good time. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second.
Maybe you're here today, and again, you're thinking, well, Bo, I've never surrendered my life. I I know that, that Jesus died. I know that he rose from the dead, but I've never surrendered my life. Listen, you can do that today. Just like I said before, you've got to give up your selfish ways. You've got to give up the sin in your life, and you've got to allow Jesus to cover it, to come into your life and to give you a new slate to wipe away your past and to give you a bright future. Listen, some of you are here today and you're like, dude, I I don't, I don't, it's hard. It's hard for me to surrender. Listen, it's hard for all of us. It's hard for everybody. But listen, when you surrender, it's the best decision that you will ever make. And God still wants you to be the man that you are. Does he want you to change? Does he want you to turn away from certain things that are, again, selfish or sinful? Absolutely. But he will take care of that. Again, when you know Christ, he will fight that battle for you instead of you having to fight it on your own. So maybe you need to give your life to him today and surrender your life to him. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, here's here's the, the simple way. You give him your life. You know, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. If you will just in your heart right now, maybe in your own seat right there, you just say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I give you my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead and I surrender to you today. I'm confessing you as my Lord and Savior. Listen, maybe you just prayed that right there in your heart. Listen, if you truly meant that in your heart, not just in your mind, not just because, you know, it was a religious thing to do. No, you you began that relationship with him today. This is the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. And you are now a child of God. And now you don't have to fight again those battles alone. And so we praise God if you made that decision today. And here's all we ask. If you have made that decision today and you've surrendered for the first time, we want to know about it. And here's all we ask you to do. Fill out the orange card, place it in the yellow bucket, or text your name to the number on the screen as you leave. Just text your name and we will contact you at a later day. Listen, you say, well, why do I got to do that? Listen, we don't want you fighting alone. I mean, you have Christ, but maybe you don't know how to fight yet. You don't know how to read the Bible. You don't know how to pray. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do next. We can help you fight the battle. And so please let us know. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you're, and and the question I have for you is, are you living out what God has asked you to do? Maybe you're that man that you come to church begrudgingly. You come to church by protest. And when you come to church, you don't even give a flip what the preacher says. You're, You're just coming because it's the religious thing to do. Listen, maybe you need to get rid of that. You say, okay, Lord, I want to come to be changed. I want to come so that I can lead my family. Maybe you need to make that commitment this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're dull. Your senses are dulled. You don't watch out. You're not alert. 
And you need to make a commitment to, to the Lord today and pray and say, Lord, make me alert to what's going on in my marriage, what's going on in my work, what's going on in my relationships, in my kids, what's going on in my life. Make me aware of that so that I don't fail in this life. Maybe you need to make that commitment today. Some of you are here today and you're like, okay, Bo, I'm a woman What do I need to get out of this? Or I'm a single mom. How do I find this godly masculine man? Listen, you give your life to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will. You you don't necessarily have to have that masculine man and man in your life for your children to grow up to be godly men and women. My, my dad, he grew up without a father. His dad died when he was four years old. And my dad's the greatest Christian that I know. And so listen, you don't have to have that, that man in your life to, to, to fulfill that void. Now listen, some of you single moms, again, you're, you're thinking, well, I've had to pick up that role. And you do. And that's hard. But that's why the church is here. And so if you're a single mom, you don't have that influence that manly influence in your kids' lives, let us know. We have godly, masculine men that will invest in your children. And so please let us know. Maybe you're a mom here today or you're a wife here today and your husband's not here. Please let us know. We will not embarrass them. We will not not send them a card. We will not make a big deal about any of that. But we will pray for them. And we will ask God to change their lives. So please let us know. Maybe you need to write that down on that orange card and, and put it in one of these yellow buckets. I hope that you will. And I hope that you will reach out for help. Lord, I'm going to close this out by praying and asking that you would help us as men to be the godly masculine men that you've called us to be. And Lord, may we be a church that attracts godly men, unchurched men, men that that are rough, men that are tough, men that, that don't love you. May we attract those men so that they can learn that loving Jesus is the greatest thing that they can do. And so Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And we pray that you would go with us as we leave this place today and use us for your glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Thank you again for listening to this message. And we hope to see you every Sunday at the Woodward Livestock Auction at 1030.